0: It is Tuesday, July 5th, and this is People Every Day. Hello again, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. I hope you all enjoyed your holiday weekend. I had a great time at Essence Fest in New Orleans, and I can't wait to take you behind the scenes on that. We've got another great show in store for you to kick off this shortened work week. But with everything going on in the news, we need to jump right into the story that has been everywhere the past 24 hours. We're gonna start with the aftermath of yesterday's horrific shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. As many of you have probably read and heard by now, a gunman opened fire during a 4th of July parade yesterday in the Chicago suburb. The parade was canceled the past two years due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and Highland Park natives were eager to return to the traditional parade route through the heart of their town. But during yesterday's festivities, a gunman began shooting from a rooftop along the parade route, injuring more than two dozen people and taking the lives of at least seven others. A person of interest was arrested by authorities a few hours later during a traffic stop. It is believed he acted alone, and there are multiple reports saying he may have dressed in women's clothing as to not draw attention to himself. Authorities said they found a firearm and a high-powered rifle at the scene. Highland Park Mayor Nancy Rotering released a statement following the attack saying, quote, Our community was terrorized in an act of violence that has shaken us to our core. On a day that we came together to celebrate community and freedom, we're instead mourning the tragic loss of life and struggling with the terror that was brought upon us. Now, in an exclusive to People, 46-year-old Sean Cotro, who attended the parade with his family, including his three young children, said he at first thought he heard firecrackers going off. And then he, quote, looked back, saw the gun, and I'm staring at this guy shooting at me. Cotro and his wife grabbed their children, took off on foot down a side street, and hid behind a concrete wall. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel actress Rachel Brosnahan, a Highland Park native, shared her thoughts on social media yesterday saying, I grew up in Highland Park and and this parade is a highlight of the year for so many families. I'm sick to my stomach every time news like this comes out, but I don't wish the pit in your stomach as you call your family and friends to make sure everyone is okay on anyone. No words. Honestly, I also have no words. I'm just like you out there listening to this. I'm tired and sad, and I'm tired of being so tired and sad. I hope that lawmakers see that we need to continue to improve our gun safety measures here in the United States, and they act on it immediately. Clearly, we have not done enough. Moving on to another national story, Brittany Griner was able to get a handwritten letter to President Biden. As we covered in detail last week on our show, the WNBA star has been detained in a Russian prison for over 100 days for allegedly possessing vape cartridges containing hash oil. Yesterday, excerpts from her letter to the president were released to Griner's reps. In the letter obtained by news outlets, Griner pleaded for freedom and expressed her fear that she may never return home. Quote, as I sit here in a Russian prison, alone with my thoughts and without the protection of my wife, family, friends, Olympic jersey, or any accomplishments, I'm terrified I might be here forever. Now, Greiner reflected on the 4th of July holiday, saying, quote, On the 4th of July, our family normally honors the service of those men who fought for our freedom, including my father, who is a Vietnam War veteran. And she continued... It hurts thinking about how I usually celebrate this day because freedom means something completely different to me this year. The two-time Olympic gold medalist further pleaded, I realize you're dealing with so much, but please don't forget about me and the other detainees. She continued, please do all you can to bring us home. I voted for the first time in 2020 and I voted for you. I believe in you. Wow. Griner's wife, Sherelle Griner, has been speaking out more about the delicate situation her wife finds herself in. She appeared on numerous news programs over the last few days to try and garner more public interest. She shared on CBS This Morning how at first she was told it was best to remain quiet and let the government sort this out under a low profile. But after 140 days without progress, she has decided to speak out more. I will find that balance of, you know, harm versus help in pushing our government to do everything that's possible because being quiet, they are not moving, they are not doing anything. And so um, my wife is struggling and, and we have to help her. We will definitely continue to keep tabs on this story as it develops further. Moving on to the music world, rocker Brett Michaels was hospitalized last Thursday in Nashville. The Poison frontman went to the hospital just before Poison was set to take the stage for the stadium tour with Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. His bandmates addressed the crowd to regrettably inform them that the band wouldn't be able to perform. Michaels later shared a post to Instagram saying, quote, I was truly fired up to get on stage in the Music City and perform, but due to an unforeseen medical complication and following hospitalization, It was not possible, and continued with, I send my deepest apologies for being unable to rock the stage tonight. However, on Saturday, Michaels was able to perform on the Jacksonville leg of his tour. He thanked the fans prior to the show and said he was, quote, ready to rock, despite not feeling his Sunday best. The Rock of Love star has had health concerns for most of his life. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 6 and had surgery to repair a hole in his heart following a mini-stroke in 2011, a year after suffering a brain hemorrhage. It's still unclear what the specific health scare was that sent Michaels to the hospital late last week, but we are glad to see that he appears to be in good spirits and making steady progress. And now we're moving on to another major story in the music industry. Latin singer Ricky Martin is facing allegations of domestic abuse, and there is a whole lot to unpack in this story. There is news coming out of the music world that has been sending shockwaves throughout the weekend. Ricky Martin is denying domestic abuse allegations after a restraining order was filed against him in Puerto Rico. Authorities did not reveal the petitioner's name, but representatives for the singer told people that they are, quote, very confident that when the true facts come out in this matter, our client Ricky Martin will be fully vindicated. There's a lot to dive into here. So, joining me now to do just that is people's Brienne Tracy. Hey, Brienne. Hey, Janine. Thanks for having me. Well, what do we know about this restraining order and the allegations being made against Ricky?
1: Well, the singer's reps are saying that these claims being made against him are, quote, completely false and fabricated. The Associated Press reported that police attempted to issue the restraining order on Friday in an upscale neighborhood in Puerto Rico, where Ricky is from. Police spokesman told the AP that up until now, police haven't been able to find him. And the spokesman also said that the order prevents Martin from contacting the person who made the complaint and that a judge will later decide whether the order should remain in place. And Telemundo had reported that details surrounding the complaint are still unclear, but the order was first issued by a judge on the court of first instance of San Juan following the petitioner's request. And officials reportedly also clarified that the petitioner did not initially file a police complaint, but instead went to court in their own right to request a protection order. Still very unclear what exactly happened, who made this complaint, and why they're filing it now. Wow. Well, this comes
0: amidst some other legal trouble for Ricky. His ex-manager, Rebecca Drucker, sued him for more than $3 million in unpaid commissions, according to legal documents obtained by people that were filed with the Los Angeles Central District Court on Wednesday. So what's going on there?
1: Well, Rebecca managed Ricky during two separate time periods, first from 2014 to 2018, and later from 2020 to 2022. And Rebecca said that the latter time frame was due to Ricky's personal and professional life being in absolute turmoil. And the 15-page complaint that she filed uh, said that Drucker helped Martin through recording contracts, touring and sponsorship deals, and other professional endeavors, and claimed that Martin had made millions of dollars with Rebecca by his side. And Drucker's complaint also mentioned an incident that allegedly took place in September 2020, where she claimed that Martin was threatened with a potentially career-ending allegation. She said that through her counsel, Martin emerged unscathed and proceeded with his professional resurgence. She also claimed that Martin had fostered a toxic work environment where he constantly mistreated, manipulated and lied to her and forcing her eventually to resign as his manager in April 22. Oh, wow.
0: And we should note that uh, Ricky has a property in Puerto Rico. His foundation is based out of Puerto Rico, um, but also he has a home in Los Angeles that he splits his time between. But wow, Breanne, so what did his team say about these allegations?
1: We reached out to his team for comment about Rebecca, but they declined to comment.
0: Got it. So has he spoken out about any or all of this at all yet?
1: Ricky issued a response on his Twitter page on July 3rd saying that the protection order made against him is based on completely false allegations and that he can't share any more details at this time since it's an ongoing legal matter. He did say that he's grateful for all of the countless messages that he's gotten in solidarity and that he receives them at his heart. I guess as we know more about the case, he'll be able to, to speak out more.
0: Wow. I know this is coming as a shock to a lot of fans, including, I have to say, my senior producer here on the show, who is a huge Ricky Martin fan. So we just have to see how this all plays out. Brianne, thank you so much for stopping by to talk about all this with me. Thanks, Janine. Coming up, actress Rebel Wilson opened up about gaining back weight after her dramatic weight loss. After the break, we have a conversation surrounding what body positivity actually looks like in Hollywood. But first, you guys, the Essence Fest was everything. There were so many amazing performances and surprise celeb sightings. And I had such a great time in the Big Easy covering this. We absolutely have to get into it right after the break. Stay right here. We are back. Now, this past weekend, the Essence Festival of Culture returned to New Orleans for the first time fully in person since the pandemic, and yours truly had the pleasure of traveling down to the annual celebration of Black music and Black joy. It's one of the three biggest music festivals in the U.S., where about 500,000 people, including a ton of stars, descend on the Big Easy to eat, dance, drink, and be unapologetically merry. I kicked off the weekend heading to Kevin Hart's reality channel Tech stand-up show that opened the festival a hilarious oh my god did he just say that way to kick things off but after that it was all about the music and the first moment that blew me away in night one was miss lauren hill you guys surprising fans during wyclef jean's set there was rumored to be drama between them in the past so jaws were on the floor she looked and sounded amazing and it set the tone for the night Nicki Minaj was the headliner that evening, and after keeping fans waiting a while, she hit the stage to mixed reviews, if I'm honest. That said, her barbs were elated to see her first big performance in a mighty long time. Oh, and one fan I spotted in the VIP section that night, Lori Harvey, who was dressed in sexy see-through and having a blast with her friends. Now, so much happens in the daytime as well, and I kept busy running around, shopping, and snagging interviews with all the stars in town. I got to chat with Kiki Palmer, who partnered with McDonald's' Future 22 initiative, and she told me all about her scary new film, Nope, due out this summer. You know, it's one thing that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in Jordan Peele's movie, then I'm going to be in Jordan Peele's movie that he's doing again with Daniel. Mm You know, I was a fan of Daniel's from um, Black Mirror. When I seen that, I said, he's really good. I also caught up with talk queen Tamron Hall, who shared how excited she was to pick up her second Daytime Emmy last week.
2: I was sitting there in the audience, and we were back in person. The first Emmy I won, we were all at home, and, mm, I, yep. and I learned on Zoom. Yep. But to be in the room with my peers and my team and to receive that honor was just—I I still can't believe it.
0: And then there was my catch up with Sherry Shepherd, who was in town with Ford and got to give away a brand new electric car to a very deserving fan. She told me about her new show launching in September and how she's got some big shoes to fill. But well, mm-hmm. people underestimate a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come in. Yeah. We create magic where there's, nothing, where there's none. Yeah. And there is really nobody, I think, who, who can fill that void, but I'm here. I know that, I know that I know that I know. That's what I'm bringing. All right, back to the music. Icon Janet Jackson left it all on the dance floor night two, and then another big surprise came night three, when Lil' Kim burst onto the stage and killed it during the root set, all before Bobby Brown and New Edition shut it down and ended the weekend with a nostalgic bang. Look. My feet hurt, my belly is still full from gulf shrimp and grits, and I wore just about every look I'd stored up from online shopping during the pandemic. Essence Fest owes me nothing. Body positivity is a conversation that you probably discuss on a regular basis with your friends, but it is also something that gets a lot of attention in Hollywood. Lizzo, Adele, Kim Kardashian, and most recently, Rebel Wilson, have each had an impact and their say on the topic. But what does it really mean? So body positivity is defined as a social movement focused on the acceptance of all bodies, regardless of size, shape, skin tone, gender, and physical abilities, while challenging present day beauty standards as an undesirable social construct. But the understanding of this Big concept gets really complicated when speaking about weight loss and weight gain. Here to have the body positivity discussion with me is People's East Coast News Editor, Liz McNeil, and People's Associate Editor, Julie Mazziata. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, the jumping off point for this conversation came up today on the heels of Rebel Wilson posting a photo of herself on social media in a bathing suit saying that she had a three kilogram weight gain, which is about six and a half. Pounds. She also said, you know, don't worry about that. Love yourself. Well, Rebel has been very public about making her body a priority in her health journey. And Liz, as someone who has had these conversations with Rebel, why do you think this was something she felt she needed to share publicly?
2: She's been so honest and so transparent about her entire journey that this is sort of where she's at today. And one thing about Rebel, she's very into sharing with the people who follow her, with her fans about exactly where she's at and I think when she started out on this journey in 2000 she had absolutely no idea where she would end up and she just sort of thought you know what I'm going to share it publicly and her whole thing seems to be about a lot of self-acceptance and a lot of self-love and you do what you have to do in order to feel healthy and I thought when I read her post she's very clear about saying it doesn't help to be hard on yourself you are more than just your weight. And I can only guess that this is just exactly where she was yesterday. And she felt like she wanted to be honest about where she was. Well,
0: Julie, you've worked with the health team here at People for a long time. And in working on stories around weight and body positivity, maybe take people into where we stand on a lot of those topics and and how, you know, something like this, even with how much she's expressing her personal love for herself and her body, how that can be perceived sometimes.
3: Yeah, body image is just a, such a tough conversation because people have so much baggage with a lot of it on either side. So one thing that has been interesting over the last few years, body positivity was a big buzzword, but more recently, it's been more about body inclusivity and just accepting your body in its current form, whether you like it or not. There's been some pushback that you're just not gonna be positive about your body all of the time. So I think Rebel seems to be going for something more of body inclusivity On the other hand, just talking about weight can be triggering for some people. People don't want that brought up all the time. So it is a tough conversation no matter what.
0: Well, it's not just women in Hollywood who have something to say about the way that they are judged by their bodies. Jonah Hill. Remember that, for example, took to Instagram in October of 2021 saying, quote, I know you mean well, but I kindly ask that you not comment on my body. So this is something that is personal to all people of any size. So what do you think people can do to kind of keep ourselves from putting too much pressure on celebrities who want to make their own body choices and and ourselves as well? A big thing is just not
3: talking about a person's body or how they look unless it's something they comment on themselves. Like what Jonah Hill said, he didn't want people to talk about his body or, you know, his weight changing. That can be really tough for people because you don't know why it was that their weight changed.
0: For sure. For sure. Now, Liz, back on the celebrity front, I want to talk about Adele a little bit because this whole moment reminds me of what happened with her. She was very open about losing weight for her health and for her son, but that she did feel bad a little bit having so many fans who looked up to her and who she felt like she represented at her size at the time not wanting them to feel like, oh, now I have to lose weight because my icon, Adele, lost weight. So was that anything that Rebel talked about or or how did she process that?
2: I just think back, you know, even 10 years ago or, you know, maybe even five, like we wouldn't have been having this conversation that they're being like so inclusive about where they were then, where they are now, Mm. where their fans are. And, you know, Rebel makes it a very big point to talk about, how confident she was, that Fat Amy was her favorite character, that she had to make certain decisions about her health, which also ended up also being about her fertility. And I think that they both seem to be really trying to have a very inclusive message, that it's really an individual choice. I think both women have been very careful to, you know, they don't use words like good, bad, or better now, or like very focused on the numbers. So I mean, I think they've added a lot to the conversation and are trying to be very inclusive about all people, everyone. And it seems like with Rebel, it's just where she's at at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, thank you both for being here and, and having this discussion with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, you guys. We've had a pretty full day of music news and we've got one more music story for you that is something to make you smile and something to make you put on your nostalgia goggles. Over the weekend, 2000s boy band Sensation, the Backstreet Boys, were performing in Toronto when the group introduced an honorary sixth member before performing their mega hit, I Want It That Way. Nick, Howie, AJ, Brian, Kevin, Welcome Toronto native, Drake to the stage and the crowd absolutely loved it. Drake told the audience the group's seminal 1999 track meant a lot to him, saying, quote, at 13 years old, I had a bar mitzvah and at my bar mitzvah for the first time in my life, this girl I was in love with came up to me and one of the greatest songs in the world was playing. (laughs) This is what Drake said. She asked me if I would dance with her and it was the first time ever I felt acknowledged and like I had a shot at being cool. Wow. The curator of cool is saying this. So sweet. All I can say is that Drake looked pretty cool on stage performing alongside BSB well thank you all for joining us again we'll be back here tomorrow for another episode of people every day